My name is Emily, and you are listening to the Fill Your Cup podcast. This is a space that allows you to press pause on the hustle of life and relax into conversations that will awaken, inspire, and empower your mind, body, and soul. From health, wellness, self-mastery, ancient wisdoms, and all things in between, tune in each week for your dose of all the good vibes. So are you ready? Sit back, relax, and let's fill your cup. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Fill Your Cup podcast. I hope everyone is having a beautiful day. Before we dive deep into today's episode, I want to get on here and offer all of my loyal listeners something pretty epic. My signature group program, Align Your Energy, is open for enrollment. Round two is going to be going down July 20th. This is an eight-week group coaching program for women who feel lost, who feel stuck, who feel confused, who feel like there's another way to be living life, who feel really low energy, maybe anxious, stressed, just all of the low vibes. In eight weeks, I am going to take you on a magical journey coming back into your own true alignment with your specific energy in the beginning we get into all of the beliefs we're really become aware of all of the beliefs the things that have been holding you back the mental the physical the emotional imbalances once we discover that then we can get into really digging deep into your specific energy flow Once you understand your own specific energy, I then take you through the different types of nutrition and lifestyle habits and all the different things that are going to keep you in balance, keep you in flow so that you can come into this next best level, this next version of you so that you can tap into your best life, your life of bliss so that you can go from just surviving to thriving. I created this program um, because I was in the same exact spot of feeling like shit, of feeling like I had no idea what to do, how I had gotten there. I was so unmotivated. I had no energy. I was really, really depressed. And in a year, less than a year, I was able to heal myself naturally. And I literally take you through the entire process in eight weeks. You leave with a toolbox full of natural healing tools to again bring you back into that alignment your true flow because everybody is different everyone has their own unique taste their own unique thoughts their own unique emotions their own unique energy flow so if that is why you've been you've tried different diet plans you've tried different health plans you've tried everything under the sun and nothing has worked it is because it wasn't specific to your energy. That is what the difference is in this eight-week group coaching program, Align Your Energy. So again, for my loyal listeners, I have a special, special offer for you guys. So make sure that 
if you are hearing this, if this sounds like you, you are like, fuck yes, your soul is calling you, craving to do this, hit me up. I will leave my Instagram in the show notes, my email. Please reach out. I want you in there. Let me know you came, you heard this on the podcast, and I will get you your special offer. So yes, that is all from me. Please enjoy your show and have a great freaking day, guys. Hello, hello. Welcome back, everybody, to the Fill Your Cup podcast. I am so freaking excited today. I have an amazing human being on the show. Summer, okay, now I might be butchering it. I didn't ask. Summer Cena, Senna, Cena, but like soon to change. So let's just call her Summer. Um, True, true. <laughs> right. I don't even know where to start with Summer. I'm just going to give you a little, I mean, I gave you a full introduction in the beginning. I'm going to give it right on over to her. But I mean, I found Summer in the beginning of my journey. Um, and I was just like in this low down place of like, I don't know what to do to switch things up. So I was scrolling through Instagram one day and I found Summer's profile and she was healing from an autoimmune disease. Um, and literally switched her whole entire lifestyle up. So I decided to switch a few things up that she suggested. And here we are today on a podcast, like about to jam out about like all the things. So, so excited. Her magic, just her inspiration. You're going to feel like so fucking empowered after this, you guys. So I'm just going to give it right on over to Summer um, so she can explain like just how amazing she is. Oh my God. That was awesome. You are such a rock star. That so cool. I'm so excited to be here. This is my first ever podcast, like guest guesting, guesting on a podcast. Um, and so I guess I'll just start like in the very beginning. So my name is Summer Senna, soon to be Ross. And um, we're not getting married for two years. So I'll be Summer Senna for like two more years. Okay, um, but yeah, so I will start in the beginning. I when I was 17. I was in high school, my senior year of high school, and I had my first UTI. And it was brutal. I was bleeding. It was so bad before I realized that I, something was wrong. And so I went into my mom's room and I was like, mom, I have an STD. Like, I literally thought I had an STD. And my mom's like, no, honey, like that is a UTI. Take some cranberry pills and it'll go away because my mom is like super holistic, like woo woo holistic. And which a lot of things that she has like passed down to me, I totally agree with, but like that she uses cranberry pills to heal her UTIs, but it didn't work for me because so the symptoms went away and I felt my UTI was gone. But then like two weeks later, I had lower back pain and neck pain, but I had just taken a Thai bow class for the first time. And I thought, I thought, oh my God, I just overexerted myself. And like, so I was just telling myself that my UTI, my UTI was gone and I had overexerted myself at Thai bow. So I was like laying in bed for like a whole week. I remember I was watching, I was laying in my parents' bed, watching Real Housewives of New York, like old school, <laughs> like way back in the day. And, um, and it wasn't getting better. And then I started running a fever. And this was like, I want to say this was Christmas, uh, Christmas time of my senior year. And, uh, and I wasn't getting better. And so my mom took me to the doctor, but she took me to my pediatrician because I was 17. I hadn't like gotten a, a, my own doctor yet. And 
the, my pediatrician who I'd been going to for my whole life was not in that day. It was like somebody like else that she had called in to cover for her or something, some like man. And he told me that it was a virus and to go home. So then another week goes by, I'm still running a fever. I still have low back pain. I still have the neck pain, like the worst crick in my neck I ever had. I'm like, why is this not going away? And I was running a fever and my, my parents were out to dinner and my little brother, they were out to dinner one night after like two weeks of this. Okay. And to defend my parents, they were going through a divorce at the time. And I just feel like they were like not paying attention to me, honestly, which mm-hmm. I understand. Like they were married 22 years and like, that's a huge, like life change. That's like a death in the family of divorce. Mm-hmm. And so they weren't really like, I feel as diligent as they normally would be had them, had they not been going through the divorce. And that's why I think it got left for so long. And when the doctor said it was a, a virus, they just kind of left it. And Anyway, they were out to dinner and I literally felt like I couldn't breathe. And so I called them and I was like, I can't breathe. I'm like crying hysterically. They take me to the ER and I'm, I shit you not, Emily. I don't remember anything for the next two months. Stop. It was literally nuts. I was in the hospital for two months. And in the end, they told me that I had sepsis. Basically what happened in the end, what happened was the UTI never healed. It spread to my kidneys. My kidneys had benign cysts in there that the infection caught on to. Then it spread to my lungs and my lung collapsed, which is why I felt like I couldn't breathe. And yeah. And so after all this testing, they healed me up. They sent me back to school, whatever. I, you know, they got my body back in working order after probably, I want to say March or April, I was back to like, you know, I was back at high school and I was okay about around April, but I had lost a ton of weight. I actually had to have a pick line in my arm that like I had a fanny pack with my medicine in it at school and I went to private school. So I had like a uniform with a fanny pack, like you couldn't <laughs> even hide it. And, um, and it was just like, it was nuts. In the end, they said that maybe it was an unidentified autoimmune disorder and they sent me home and they, that was it. They didn't look into it. They didn't give a shit. They just told me like, go home, get better. You're fine. Whatever. Wow. So yeah. So that was my first like big thing. And it, you know, looking back, like I've read over and over and over again, that autoimmune disease needs kind of this cocktail to present itself. It needs um, a serious infection, so the UTI. It needs um, a predisposition, which no one in my family has autoimmune disease except for my grandma had endometriosis, which now is considered Mm. sort of an autoimmune disease, but it's not like, it's not like a primary presenter, like the one that I have, or like Hashimoto's or rheumatoid arthritis. Like endometriosis is like kind of considered an autoimmune disorder. So you need the infection, you need the predisposition, and you need a life stressor. And honestly, at that time in my life, my parents were divorcing. My first, I was going through my first heartbreak, like my first boyfriend had cheated, and it just really threw me over the edge. And I was told by my high school counselor that I wasn't getting into any college and to just stay mm. home and go to community college. And what I was like, fuck? I can't stay here. She was totally wrong. I got into all four state schools that I applied to, and I ended up going away to college. Like, she was totally wrong. I hope she's fired. But, like, oh my God. at the time, 
and I was so I was waiting to hear back because you apply in the fall and then you hear back in February. Right. So I was waiting to hear back if my life was going to amount to anything. Mm-hmm. My I was going through my first heartbreak and my parents were divorcing. So I had three life stressors: the serious infection and the predisposition. So it totally makes sense that I definitely had an autoimmune disease. Looking back, but I had bigger fish to fry. I went to college and I was mm. fine. I was fine for five years. Nothing really showed up. Looking back, I was totally not fine. Like my hair had fallen out. Mm. I was bloated. I was acne. I was overweight, like everything. Looking back, I was not okay, but I was busy with college, my sorority and like drinking and having fun. And like, I would never take those year- careless years back ever, you know, mm-hmm. but like, Anyway, so I come home, I, I graduate from college, and I get my first job, and I'm there for two years, everything's going fine. I meet Evan, my fiance now, I met him in 2016, and um, the fall of 2016, we had basically just started having sex, and when I got a UTI, and I thought, what the hell? And I went to my gynecologist and she's like, well, whenever you have a new sex partner, there's just new bacteria introduced. And sometimes it can be a UTI. Cause I'm like, girl, I don't play around with UTIs. I drink water. I take cranberry pills. I pee after sex every time. Like I don't get UTIs. And she's like, you just have a new sex partner. Like that's what happens. Mm. Sometimes just the new bacteria. So I had the UTI. Then I had a couple more infections. I had a sinus infection and then I had, um, the most disgusting infection I, I'll tell you because I don't give a shit. Do you know of a gland called the Bartholin's gland? No, please tell us. Okay. It is like, there are two of them on either side of your like vagina down there in your groin. Right. And I, one of mine got infected and it swelled up to the size of like a small lemon. It wow. was the worst. And then, it, and then it will burst. It was disgusting, okay? It was the worst. I think that was like the one of the worst infections I've ever had due to my autoimmune disease. So once wow. I started the UTI, then I started having more infections, more infections. And after like, then I, then I just had a fever and I was in bed and I was like, Evan, like I know something's wrong. I had four infections in a row and now I have a fever. Mm. I'm having a flare. Like I know this, I, and I, don't, I didn't know what my autoimmune disease was because nobody ever told me. Nobody dug into it. So... Now I'm having another flare. I end up in the hospital for another two weeks with low neutrophil count, which is white blood cells. They put me in the fucking cancer unit. So I'm over here shitting my pants, like thinking something's seriously wrong with me. But it's just because um, the protocol in the cancer unit is like the oncology floor Mm. is like, it would be conducive for somebody who has low white blood cell count because that means you're like really high for infection and so it was just safer for me to be on that floor but in my mind I'm like spiraling you know right and so so after that I was really pissed I had a fire under my ass I was like I am gonna find out what's wrong with me why did this happen again I'm so pissed like so I called every hospital I'd ever been to and requested my medical records and I compiled a binder the size of my head like and I it yeah and I still have it and I still use it and every time I go see a doctor I print out my record and I put it in my binder because I don't I know that I have to be my own advocate because Mm. the healthcare system is flawed very flawed so I to say the least (laughs) nice way of saying it (laughs) I'm sure we'll get into it I I literally had like 10 questions pop up so I'm sure we'll talk more about that (laughs) 
Yeah. So, so I had the medical binder. I went around to every specialist. I started on this crazy research phase, like months. I was researching all things autoimmune disease. And I was like, I have one. I know I have one. So I went to all the specialists and I listened to all the podcasts and I read all the textbooks and like, I really got into it. Like almost treating it like a thesis. Like it was my job. Like I was not going to back down from this. Like it, and that's kind of where I'm at with the birth control stuff, which we'll get into later. But like at the time it was my job to find out everything about autoimmune disease. Finally in March of 2017. So about a little less than six months after I had gone into the hospital in fall of 2016 in the spring, I was finally diagnosed with Sjogren's. And the crazy thing is the way that Sjogren's normally presents in people is like dry eyes, dry mouth. I don't have any of that. Mine just presents itself in these like crazy flare ups. And so I have to, I've learned since then, basically when I got the diagnosis, I was like, I was told by the rheumatologist that I needed to go on this medication for the rest of my life to control my symptoms. I'm like, yo, what symptoms? I don't have Sjogren's symptoms. I have a serious, like fatal infection every five years. So why would I take daily medication for something that only happens every five years? Like it's not, maybe when I, maybe when I start to develop those daily symptoms, then I'll be happy to go on conventional medication because I don't want to have symptoms daily that are interfering with my life. But if I'm fine day to day and then it just creeps up on me in these stressful times, then I'm not going to take a medication for that because the medication that they give you, it suppresses your immune system. And it actually, that's why it suppresses your symptoms, which is wonderful for people who have symptoms every day. But Mm. for me, suppressing my immune system would make me more susceptible to infections and infections are what set off my flare-ups. So why would I do that? So it's like, you just can't listen to everything doctors tell you. Like, I'm glad he finally ran the appropriate blood work. And like, he, he diagnosed me, like, I'm so thankful because now I'm able to like implement lifestyle changes. So then March, 2017 is when I get my diagnosis. That's probably when you, maybe a six months later, eight months later, a year later, found me on Instagram. Because within that year of March 2017 through like March or April of 2018, that's when me and Evan were really taking it home. Like we were working out every single day. We were eating perfect. Yeah, we were eating perfect every single meal except for one cheat meal on the weekend. Not the whole weekend, not the whole day, one meal. Like we were so strict. And in all honesty, we needed to do that because we were in terrible health, not just shape, like health. Mm. And Evan has his own story. He's almost two years sober. Like he went through it around the same time that I went through my autoimmune stuff. And like, it was perfect for us because we were able to hold each other accountable in the ways that we needed. Like he wasn't going to drink and I wasn't going to eat dairy or gluten or grains and, or sugar. And, and he wasn't going to be going out drinking. So if we went out with friends, he was having soda. If we went out in the day, like I was having water, like, you know, like we were, we knew what the other one needed and we were really holding each other accountable. And like, if it weren't for him having like a live-in accountability friend, I don't know how well it's like, I call him friend, but he is, (laughs) but like, (laughs) it has to be like that. I fucking love that. No, you guys, you go stalk her like after this because your journey with him like I that was I think I followed you like because I started my stuff I think April 
2018. So it had to have been like a year. It was a year because I saw all of your shit. It was like six months, a year progress. I'm like, oh my God. And then the transformation that both of you went through together is I was like, holy hell. Like, so yeah, yeah. very inspirational. Yeah. And he has, he has his own like rare hereditary disease that through like basically his body like once it starts swelling, it won't stop swelling. And he does have to use like some conventional medicine. Like he has certain shots that he has to give himself that help with the swells. But when he stopped drinking and when he lost 75 pounds, he dramatic, he has hereditary angioedema and it dramatically reduced his, his incidence of swelling. Like I'm not kidding. He literally doesn't have them anymore. And it's from, it's from, it's from exercise and diet and cutting out the alcohol for sure. Cause he was like the typical bro who would drink a bunch of beer and the beer would just like swell up his stomach. And then he would have these flare ups from his disease. And I don't even have to tell him that that was not okay because I like, he realized it and I went through my, and that's exactly what happened with me. He didn't have to tell me that what was going on with me wasn't okay. I realized it and we supported each other. And Mm. it really, it's crazy. Like, how many people will just continue living their lives like at 70%? Like, why would you do that? Like, and once you get on the other side of it and you get your health up, it's like the best thing ever, which I'm sure you have been going through too. Like, yeah. Fuck it's the yeah. Best. So, yeah. So anyway, where does that lead me? So now it's pre- <laughs> like, it's present day. I have my disease under control. He has his under control and we don't have to work out every single day and eat perfect every single meal. Like we do a much more balanced lifestyle now and it's awesome. But had we not been super strict, I don't think we would be here today. Like we had to go all or nothing. We had to go hundred percent in and now we can live at 80% and enjoy our, our treats and not, and not suffer the ramifications you know, but we had to go through that healing period. A thousand percent. Yeah. So that's kind of my story, which is long, but. No, that was, oh, I like the whole time you're talking, I had chills like running up and down my body because like, fuck yes to everything you're saying. Like so relatable. I really had no idea about, I mean, your entire story. I only found you again, through like your first year of healing from like actually knowing what your diagnosis was. And so, holy shit, you like went through it. Like no wonder you are so like strong and powerful and like inspirational and like really, I mean, I know you guys can hear it in her voice, but like Summer like speaks her truth. She lives her truth. And like clearly the fact you had to be like your own advocate for yourself, like literally, I mean, researching so you can heal yourself because that's what I found. I mean, a lot of my things too, it wasn't necessarily, um, my like, um, what am I trying to say? My immune system, but like I've had like ribs out of place. And like, ever since I came home from school, like playing softball and like, it's still out and like no doctor or chiropractor, anyone is like, no, you know, it's fine. It's fine. It's like, yo, something is wrong. Um, so yeah, just, I fucking love everything that we talked about. Um, so I'm going to get just, no, go go ahead. ahead. No, no, you go. You really have to be your own advocate. And like you, what, something that I've learned for anyone who's listening, that this is my number one tip. 
give your doctors quantifiable data. Don't go to them and say, I have terrible, heavy periods. Okay, they're not, you're, first of all, you're a woman. And right. I'm a white woman. I'm a white woman. I can't imagine how bad it is for women of color. I'm sure you're not taken seriously because I'm not taken seriously. Fuck, you have to yeah. go there with quant- quantifiable data and say, I'm bleeding through one super plus tampon every hour. And then they're going to perk up and say, what? You know, you have to record all your data when you go to them because that's what they function on is numbers. They need, they need it or they're not going to, they're not going to take what you're saying seriously. And it's so hard to, as a woman, for me, I'm, I'm not going to generalize for me. It's hard right. because I'm emotional. I'm emotional. So I do work myself up and I do the, Oh my God, everything's wrong. <laughs> like freaking out. And that's not what doctors want to hear from you. And I've learned that you have to take your emotions out of it when you're in the office and just like write down everything on your phone and just read it off if that's easier for you. Like that's what I've done over and over and write down all your questions. I literally sat with my rheumatologist when he first diagnosed me and asked him like 35 questions about Sjogren's Mm. (laughs) because I went in with it written down. I would have never remembered all these questions if I hadn't gone in with them written down. So that's my little tidbit about advocating for yourself. Yeah, fuck yeah. And like, thank you for talking more about that because it really is. I mean, especially, I mean, you started everything like super young, 17, 18. And so, um, and like dealing with something like so, I don't want to say heavy, but like, fuck yeah, like a lot of things going yeah. on. Like at that age, I remember going into the doctor and even I think it was after I graduated. So like 22 and they were like trying to ask me about anxiety. And like, I felt like they were like, at like, talking down to me so if you don't right so if you don't have like really the facts to show them or like you know something like you do get like that kind of like treatment and so no nothing is ever going to change if we're just like okay next doctor appointment okay next doctor appointment like really like what the fuck are we doing to ourselves like if you're in whoever's listening if you're in any place like where summer was I mean for me it was just really the feelings like it wasn't necessarily I knew I had an autoimmune or anything or like I wasn't diagnosed just like mentally mentally I was just like feeling depressed and like mentally I knew I wasn't myself and like something was off and and I had been there for so long and what the fuck was I waiting for like someone to save me like it really is we have to start doing it for ourselves and just one more like thing on that like don't wait till you're at rock fucking bottom. Like, don't wait until you have the, like, however many flare ups and you're like, oh shit. Like, and you know, like, yeah, we don't know at the time, but like, if you're feeling like something off in like mentally, physically, emotionally, like that doesn't feel good in your mind, your body, like really your soul, like something is not there. It's like, it's an imbalance. So like, act on that imbalance. Don't wait until your stress is like, you can't breathe and you're telling your fiance to take you to the hospital, you know, like advocate for yourself, ladies (laughs) and men. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So let's just dive right into, I mean, advocating for yourself now. I mean, always on the autoimmune side, but let's get into hormones because this is your journey now. And I know a lot of, um, I mean, I'm so fucking interested and a lot of my listeners are too. So um, let's get into that. 
Okay, so as far as hormones, I have been on hormonal birth control for 11 years. I'm 26, so I would have started when I was 15, which I did. I think I got my period when I was like almost 12, like just the month before I turned 12. And so the first three, like three years were horrendous, like bleeding everywhere, acne, couldn't get out of bed, like rising in pain and on the ground in fetal position. And so my mom put me on, on the pill and we found one that worked and it was great. And I don't at all like falter for that because my mom is from Texas and both of her, she's the youngest of three and both of her siblings had babies and they were 14, 15. And she saw, she was like 11, you know, 12 years old. So she put herself on birth control as soon as she had her period because she didn't want to have kids that young like her siblings that she saw how hard it was for them and so she kind of I think did the same for me I mean obviously I wasn't sexually active when I was 12 but by the time I was 15 <laughs> like maybe it was going to happen and she put me on the pill and I am honestly grateful for it like I'm not here to bash the pill I think it opens up so many doors for women and gives us so much freedom like if I wouldn't have gone on the pill I could have had a baby with somebody who isn't my life partner and I could have maybe not gone to college or not earned my master's degree or not been on the path that I am now or been able to advocate for myself or have that education or be able to research like a lot of things you learn in college and in your grad school have that like technique of researching through empirical articles those are things that maybe I wouldn't have learned had I not been on the pill and maybe had a baby and whatever it goes I go down I digress <laughs> right, <laughs> but, no. but like I'm not here to bash the pill I think it's wonderful for women to use as a tool as long as we're informed so I think that's the big issue is that we're not informed about how it affects our bodies mm -hmm. and we're not informed because the medical schools are not really teaching what it does to our bodies because to the doctors because there's not that much information on it at all because the pills been around since like 1950 right 1960 so less than 100 years there's not that much information on it and something that really struck me that I was like wow this is nuts is that whenever they tested the hormonal birth control for men which is a shot kind of like our depot shot that we have for women they tested it on 320 men and out of the 320 men, 20 of them said that the headaches were intolerable. <laughs> and, so, and so they stopped, they stopped, they stopped it. And for women, when they first started testing birth control methods, four women or three women died. Yet we still, we all take it. What the like, fuck? That, isn't that nuts? Like, I'm going to look some more into it, but I had read that somewhere and I was like infuriated. I was like, oh, wow. But what it tells us is that women will, will tolerate so much more than men, which we knew, like we give birth, like we're badasses. Like we will tolerate so much more than men for our freedom, especially. Mm. And so at the end of the day, the pill is a great tool. For me, I think I'm at the point in my life where I actually know I'm at the point in my life where I don't need to be on hormonal birth control anymore because I'm in a monogamous, serious, committed relationship. So that means, and you don't have to be in those things, but to have the open communication with your partner. But for me, that is a conducive situation to like having the open communication with my partner, Evan, about our sex life and 
like when we can have sex and when we can't have sex, when my fertile window is and when my, Mm. when I'm not fertile. So something that, so let me back up a little bit. I read a book by Jolene Brighton called Beyond the Pill. And in that book, she goes and tells you everything that the research really says about what hormonal birth control can do to you and how to fix the imbalances in your endocrine system, which is your hormones after you go off of it. So it's really a wonderful book for when you're get when you're thinking about getting off the pill and what to do when you get off of it. So that's really it's really scientific in that way, which is wonderful. She presents the research in like a really relatable, like layman's terms for all of us like non medical professionals, which is great. And so that's the first book I have read. I'm almost done with it. And the second book I'm reading is called Taking Charge of Your Fertility by Tony Weschler. And it has been around for a long time. She revised it and updated it. Um, It's widely known as the Bible of like all things fertility awareness method. And basically the fertility awareness method is what you would use if you come off of hormonal birth control, but you... And you have either one of two goals. You are trying to avoid pregnancy or you're trying to conceive. So, and you can use this method to do either. Um, And basically it's founded in science. It works. It is not the rhythm method. The rhythm method is antiquated, outdated. It does not work. And let me explain. The rhythm method is something that doctors assumed back in the day that all women's cycles I mean, we do all start on day one of your cycles when you start your period. And what the rhythm method assumes is that on day 14, all women ovulate. And on day 28, all women finish their cycle. And this Mm. is simply false and not true. All women are different. It could vary by month. It could vary by length. You could ovulate day 16. You could finish your cycle day 32. Um, Like, it's just totally not correct because so if you're assuming that you ovulate on day 14 then you're going to have sex and you're going to either get pregnant or you're going to miss your window to get pregnant so Mm -hmm. you're not going to get what you want because it's not right Mm -hmm. (laughs) so what you do through fertility awareness method is you figure out when your fertile window is based on scientific signs of ovulation and the three scientific signs are waking basal body temperature cervical fluid or mucus, the quality of your cervical fluid, and cervical position, which is a secondary like secondary sign that you ovulated or will ovulate. And that is to confirm the first two primary signs, which is the basal body temperature upon waking up and the quality of your cervical mucus. So this is what I'm learning about. And I honestly, I'm pretty overwhelmed. I literally didn't even know that women are only fertile for like one week of their cycle. Like I mm. didn't even know that. How right. ridiculous right. that I didn't know that. And so I'm overwhelmed to say the least. This I'm like just sort of beginning on this book. I'm learning everything. There are tons of re- resources on Instagram and Facebook and on podcasts. Um, I'm trying to like really hone in on just reading this book and following the rules of this method because this is what works. Um, and this is what you do to avoid getting pregnant or to conceive. Basically when you, when you are able to identify your fertile window, you have knowledge and knowledge is power. And when you know about your body, you can decide how you're going to use it 
to conceive or not conceive. And I love that. That's way more empowering than the pill. Are you kidding me? I don't even know one thing about my body. I don't even know if I've ovulated in the past 11 years because I've been on hormonal birth control Mm. for 11 years. That's sickening. And I'm sitting with my mom at lunch yesterday. I'm like, so what happens to the egg? And she's like, I don't know. Should we like start Googling? Nobody knows. Mm. So I'm just not. So then I did the math and it's like 138 eggs that I don't know what the fuck happened to over the past 11 years. So I'm like, I, that's why I mean, I'm overwhelmed because there's not enough information to even answer the questions that I have. Like wow. that's nuts. Yeah. So, so it's a lot, but I'm really excited. I'm, I've had the Marina for the past four and a half years. Before that I was on the pill, different pills, because that would be like just taking whatever was free at Planned Parenthood when I was in college. And I don't even know what type of damage that did to my body. At least with Marina, it's been consistent. Um, and, but my, my Marine is coming out on July 15th. So like in 10 days or something, I'm like, I'm very excited because I want it out. Like I, if I would have got, could have gotten it out yesterday, I would have. (laughs) Um, Um, so, so yeah. No. Oh my God. Again, thank you for all of that value because you guys, she mentioned that she's like just starting to like research all of this, but like somebody sound like a fucking professional talking about all of this. And like, that was so valuable. And it really is like, again, I'm sure you guys won't believe this, but like this lady is 25, like summer is 25. I'm 26. And like, really we're I only knew that we had like four different phases of our cycle. Like I only found that out like six months ago, like not a year ago, you know, like why aren't we told these things? Why even in school, like, yeah, one thing, hello, our doctors should definitely tell us, but like, why didn't our school system tell us? Because no one fucking knows because I mean, one is definite, definitely, um, the healthcare side, maybe they're wanting a little more of our money, not educating us on what the fuck we're putting into our body because I did the same. Yeah. Yeah. I did the same thing. I mean, I went to, and I didn't even talk with my parents about it. That was another thing. It's like birth control when you're, at least for me, it was, I was in high school. I was also like having, um, like ready to have sex with my boyfriend at the time. And, um, I, like, oh my God, now I sound like high school, like my senior year, I was like, okay, let's do it. I was trying to be safe, like doing everything I could, but like being safe, like, hello, um, the pill. And I was like, yeah, that's the safest thing I can do. But there is so much, I like, again, I'm not an expert behind this and I don't even know if I'm saying the right thing, but I think that the pill is filled with like progesterone or something. And it like, yeah, go for it. Okay. So there's two different types there's combination birth control pills that have synthetic progesterone and synthetic estrogen which are not real they're synthetic like and so that's really bad and then like the morena which is what i'm on there's just synthetic progesterone in morena so you could also go on progesterone progestin which is a synthetic progesterone only pills you can go on synthetic estrogen only pills depending on what your doctor puts you on they're going to what they do too is they, any type of female problem you have, acne, bloating, headaches, take the pill. And then right. they'll try different pills until you feel better, quote unquote. But you really never got, it's just a bandage, it's just masking like the issue that you had. Like for me, I had really heavy, painful periods and the pill, quote unquote, fixed that. 
but it didn't. It just it just masks it. It's like getting a splinter and putting a bandaid over a splinter and saying, "Oh, the splinter's gone." It's like, no, it's not. Like right. that's what they're doing, really, and it's not really your doctor's fault because I feel like I read. I know, I know that I read somewhere that the the medical schools are not teaching doctors to get to the root of it. They're teaching them to prescribe the pill and it does kind of come down to money. And like, yeah. that's what this fertility awareness method is talking about. It's like, other than taking, other than downloading an app to try out your cycle, maybe you're going to buy, you're going to buy a basal thermometer, temp, basal temperature thermometer. And maybe you're going to buy like a Femtech uh, product like the Ava or the Daisy or all these other products they have for taking for tracking your cycle, whatever other, or maybe taking a class, you're not spending any money. Like the fertility aware this, this method is free. Mm. So of course they're not going to promote that or they're going to try and promote the rhythm method, which is just completely antiquated and outdated and false. And so it's just, there's a lot of flaws in like how the doctors are trained in this and it's not really their fault. And again, it's like with my autoimmune disease, like, it's not really their fault. They're, if I'm in the ICU, their goal is to get me healthy and get me out of the ICU. Mm. It's not to get to the root of my problems. I was the only person who could advocate for mm. myself to get to the root of my problems because that's not the doctor's quote unquote job, even though it should be. It's not. So yeah. like it is your job to take care of yourself and get to the root of all of your issues. And so I feel like I conquered the autoimmune thing. And now I need to start conquering this hormonal birth control thing because I just I feel like it's not, I'm not in my optimum health. Like, why would I continue doing something that I don't need to do? I'm responsible now. My fiance is responsible. Like, we can do this. And I think for the last year or so, I thought, oh, hell no, I'm freaking out. I don't want to be pregnant right now. Like, I love Evan. We want kids one day, but there's no way I can do this right now. And after reading through it, it's like, yeah, hell yeah, I can. Like, a lot of women are doing it. And they're not getting pregnant because they're not having sex in their fertile window or they're having like, they'll use barrier method, like condom or withdrawal during their fertile window. So, and by the way, that's the, I know, are you Catholic? I can't remember. I feel like you went Um, to Catholic school. I am. I've, um, this past year, I mean, I I believe in all, all things love. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So you're probably, but you went to Catholic school, the Catholic upbringing. So you probably remember being told about nfp like natural family planning um yes definitely yeah so i went to catholic school too i am catholic now i converted like it was important for to evan that i convert so we are catholic we're getting married in the catholic church but we're not like super strict catholics um but yeah and like i i feel like i'm more like we could get into religion for hours. Like I right. love, I love me some Jesus, but like the Catholic church is a whole nother thing, but we are Catholic. Um, so NFP is what the Catholic church teaches. And the only difference between natural family planning and fertility awareness method is that with fertility awareness method, you would be, if you're trying to avoid pregnancy, you would be open to using the barrier method like a condom sponge diaphragm or withdrawal like pull out method during your fertile window whereas with nfp the catholic church wants you to abstain during your fertile Mm. window which makes total sense that's totally like their their shtick which i get which i still need to sit down and talk with evan about this because we're still in the beginning phases of like planning everything but i have a feeling we're not going to just like abstain for that whole time as long as once i get it down 
So that's the whole, that's the other thing is like when you come off of hormonal birth control for as long as I've been on it, everything's going to go haywire. Mm. Like it's going to, it could take me like up to two years to get a cycle back. Yeah, for sure. That's Which is nuts. Yeah, mine wasn't regular for a good solid, like probably year, year and a half. So you went off of birth control. Yeah, yeah, I was on birth control probably senior year of high school until and then senior year of college. So I mean, four or five years, maybe yeah, five years. But um, and I was just like not even like conscious with them, even when I was taking them. Like I would be like, oh, I missed today. I'm just gonna take this many. Oh, I'm gonna do this. I was fucking up my hormones and like totally screwing my whole body up. And um, yeah, I don't think that I would got my period for like a good solid year. And it wasn't until um, I started tracking it on my phone at first that it became regular because I was like, oh, okay, well, this is supposed to happen then. This is supposed to happen then. Like I wasn't even tracking it, like aware of when my period was supposed to happen. And the method that you're saying, because I work with um, my business coaches all about um, um, women's health and like... uh, feminine and everything and healing your womb. And so she's all into the method that you're the fertility awareness method. And that is how you um, can regulate everything and like be so in touch with your body and not have to like put anything in it to regulate it. Like that is not how God put us on this planet to be is like being regulated by something like it is the freedom and like it is the full health to have it. And like something that you were saying when you were a kid, um, yeah, when you were a kid and you first start to get your period, like that window of 12 to 15 and like how bad that it hurt and like, um, and the pill only masking that, like that's only going to happen again when you get off of it, if you're still doing the same things. And like, again, like for your autoimmune and how you healed that, a big part was fit um, nutrition and lifestyle. And I think that a big thing that's missing, because I have four younger sisters, so I'm all about trying to like get them on board with everything. And the youngest is 14. And so it's like, I know that the lifestyle, I mean, it's hard at that age to be like, not when you're out with your friends, you know, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't eat this or, you know, not eat that. But like, we can like start to like, make them these girls aware of like the things that they're putting into their body and like even on their body the makeup the uh, like all the toxins and everything and like the nutrition changes that you can make now that are going to help you and like it really is just that simple to one do the research for yourself advocate for yourself like whatever is going on don't just keep putting it off because no one is there to fix it except you. I was just writing an Instagram post this morning. It was like, healing can't come from where, anywhere else except within. And if it's the first step to healing is like that research that you need. And I fucking love that you were talking about this before. Like you were in the depths like two to three months and like that was your only focus. Like really yeah. like finding like, and that's what has to happen. Like we have to be like okay with like taking the space for ourselves to create that awareness around it or else shit's not going to change. Like if we're just focused on like, oh my God, this doctor and this doctor, like you're only going to keep going to the fucking doctor's appointments. But if you're focused on like, oh, how can I find this to do better? How can I, you're going to start to find the things one day at a time and piece it together and like heal yourself from the inside out. Um, yeah, so, yeah, truly. Yeah. yeah. Truly. 
Um, it's crazy. It's really crazy. You have to focus on nutrition. Like I want to say nutrition is probably like the big, like exercise makes you feel good and kind of gets you like when you start to look better, you also feel better about yourself. Mm-hmm. And like, it's so important to exercise. Don't get me wrong, but like food to me is medicine and like you have to view it like that at least 80% of the time. And like, so I grew up in an Italian family. That is not what I was taught. Like I was taught like you're sad, eat, you're hungry, eat, you're mad, eat, you're happy, eat, let's eat, 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 manja, manja, manja. It's like, oh my God, I grew up just feeling like food was love and food was family and it can be but when you have health complications you have to view food as medicine and like 80 percent of the time you have to focus on getting all your nutrients and vitamins from food like that's the way that we should be getting it and don't even I mean don't even get me started on like the food in America but like you just do the best that you can with what you have and like what your budget is and like if you can buy organic great if you can't great just get in your food like it's not that was one thing that my doctor told me this is a badass doctor who I'm obsessed with she's in Sherman if I can give you the name she is like kind of holistic and I was talking to her about AIP which is like the diet protocol that you go on if you have autoimmune disease and you need to heal from it and I was like I'm so overwhelmed I was kind of at the place where I am with hormones where at the place where I am today with hormones is where I was with AIP and autoimmune when I saw her and I was like I can't give up coffee like I love coffee I can't she's like then don't but do the rest of it give up the things you are willing to give up just Mm -hmm. start somewhere and I was like oh you're a genius you can just start (laughs) somewhere like I literally didn't think that like I could like if I wasn't going to go all in it wasn't going to mean anything that's wrong like that's limiting beliefs Mm -hmm. like you just need to start somewhere and when she told me I could just keep my coffee and cut out my dairy and alcohol and grains and like soy and corn and stuff she told me I could just do that and I could keep like seeds and nuts because seeds and nuts are whatever the point is she told me I could just start somewhere and that was like mind-boggling to me so I feel like that's a huge takeaway too like just do what you can with what you have you don't have to have a bunch of money in the bank to buy healthy food like just buy frozen broccoli then whatever like it's not going to be the end of the world better to eat broccoli than mcdonald's or whatever you know yeah a thousand percent yeah thank you for saying that because um that's how again i found you i was like where do i even start how do i even do this and for me it was giving up the gluten and the dairy and for so long like i resisted that but as soon as i did that that is what my body needed and what like i lost i yeah, 20 pounds in the first month. And it was just because it was the inflammation like in my body. Totally. And so like totally. that, yeah, that was like my rabbit hole to like, hello, nutrition is like everything. And so why wouldn't you just try for like, a, a, I, this is what I, I mean, I tell my girls at least a week first. And then the next week and the next week, like, fuck, you're at a month. Like you already gave that shit up. And then like, you just feel so much clearer, so much better. And And it's like in the beginning, like you were saying, like you do kind of have to, I mean, it's, it's a little more willpower, but it's a little more like strict on yourself. Like, yeah, eat this, eat this, because it's not necessarily like, oh, I can't have it. Like you're just, you're playing around with your body. Like, oh, 
does this work out for me? Does this not work out for me? Um, it's like troubleshoot. It's like troubleshooting everything. Like right. when I first gave up gluten and dairy, I gave up both at the same time for four weeks and my cystic acne like diminished. I was like, yo, what? I was like, oh my God, my, like I look so much better. I'm so much happier, more confident. So then I was like, I'm going to introduce, reintroduce gluten. And I had like some gluten that day and nothing happened. And I was like, oh, then I tried to reintroduce dairy and I puked. I literally puked. Wow. Okay. So dairy's not my friend, but gluten is. So I can eat a burger, but I cannot eat a cheeseburger. So mm-hmm. now I know I eat burgers everywhere I go. I eat burgers. <laughs> so right. like that's my go-to. I always order a burger, no bun, no cheese with a side salad. Like that's what I order every time I go out to eat pretty much at like any American rest- American style restaurant. But like for someone else, Sometimes I do have the bun. Someone else might be able to sometimes have the dairy, but it's like knowing you have to troubleshoot. Like you said, like you have to play around and you have to document and just figure it out. Cause some people might not have as extreme of a reaction as vomiting. They might just have like really bad gas and bloating. Well, that's still a reaction. That's right. still not okay. Right. So it's just like documenting everything too. Um, beautiful. And I love that you said that because it's, I thought for a while, I mean, I always knew I was, I was holding on to a little extra weight, but I was like, yeah, it's because I play sports. I need all of this. But like once I got home and it wasn't the sports and I realized like, okay, I still have all of this acne. I still have all of this bloating. I still have like my body fucking hurts and I'm only like 23 or 24 at this time. Like why? Like how? And I loved that what you said, like, why the fuck would you continue to live life at 70%? Like, why? (laughs) Why? Like, why do you want to live like that? So you can eat cheese and drink wine. Those are my two, those are my two most inflammatory is alcohol and dairy. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Eat cheese and eat wine. Like, sure. Maybe I will eat cheese and wine like once every two months, maybe, but it's so rare because it's not worth it to me. So it's just like weighing those things out for yourself. And also, I think another thing I want to touch on quickly, I know we're like coming to the end of our time here, but something I want to touch on quickly is being really young and making these lifestyle changes fucking sucks. Like Mm. everybody around you, like, I don't know, my girlfriends, they still go out and drink and eat pizza and have beer and party for days. And I mourned the loss of that lifestyle for a long time. And I realized like that I just can't do that. If I want to live a healthy, productive lifestyle, I can't do that all the time. And that's why I feel so blessed to have Evan who doesn't drink and like supports me in all my endeavors, like as far as health and exercise, especially like we're totally on the same page. And I think that if you're surrounded by a bunch of friends who just want to party and drink all the time, you don't have to sit home and mope and, and, cry and be sad that you can't go out and have fries and alcohol like or whatever it is you can still go out with them and like just order club soda and just eat like order some healthier like things that don't inflame your body you can still go out and have fun you don't have to be all or nothing again like I said like and I think that's a huge lesson to learn when you're young and embarking on this because not everybody is like a lot of people are blessed with different genetics. They don't have to do what we have to do, you know, or then maybe they don't want to, or they don't care to, that's fine. That's their prerogative. But like, I don't know, that was a big hurdle for me, like getting over the social aspect. A thousand so, percent. 
it, I mean, yeah, it really is. Thank you so much for bringing that up because I mean, I think for me, when I came home, I didn't, um, I, I don't know, I'm just so much more of an introvert. So it wasn't necessarily like that for me, but it is like that death. And it's like, it, it feels like you are like mourning something like it's a different, like the switch of like a lifestyle. And again, and this is like, again, what I teach a lot of is like, showing yourself love through it all like it's all such a huge change like and show and like doing the things that make you feel good which is like what this is all about so it is going to be that switch up but like and you can like you said go hang out with your friends maybe not all of those nights like during the week that you might have hung out like maybe it's two nights and now you're finding these new things that are making you feel good and actually healing yourself so um yeah, fuck yeah. And it, all about balance and moderation. Because who wants to live a life where we're eating, you know, like, have to be like, so strict, eat this, eat this, eat this. Yeah, for a minute, if you're trying new things out, you might have to try that. But that's not why we were brought here. We're supposed to enjoy everything. For sure, for sure. And like, that's Evan's thing too. Like, people always ask him, like, how do you stay sober? And he'll always say, like, I don't sit at home. Like, if it's my friend's birthday and we're going to the bar, I'm going to the bar too and I'm drinking a club soda and nobody even notices. Nobody gives a shit what you drink. Like, and that was something that I, like, nobody gives a shit what you eat or don't eat. You're the only one who needs to care about what you eat or don't eat. Like, that was something too that I thought was like, and it comes with the alcohol too. Like, nobody fucking cares if you make it weird then they're gonna make it weird if you just act like it's normal it's normal and nobody cares nobody even notices you know Mm. yes own that shit fuck yes i love that um yes oh my god thank you so much value in this i'm sure we'll have to have another conversation because i know all of the people are gonna be like um we need more of summer so um, we are going to wrap this up but again thank you so much for this value um my last couple questions i want to ask you what is your favorite way to fill up your cup Um, I feel like it changes every day. Like some days it is exercising. Some days it's laying on the couch. But the one thing that always, always fills up my cup is being with my fiance, my dog, and just like loving on him and loving on my dog. My dog's name is Wally. He's got like huge ears. Um, and whatever we're doing, like if we're on a road trip or if we're at home in bed or if we're like at a hotel or at the bark park, we like to call the dog park the oh, bark I park. Oh, I love that. And, yeah. <laughs> so as long as I'm with my dog and my fiance, like that is the number one way to fill my cup because it's just being around people who love you and who you love so much. And like, that's the number one thing for me. Oh, I love that. And yeah. Yeah. You guys need yeah. to go, go check her out. Um, and the really, and the way that you spoke about your relationship and like the communication aspects, I mean, I've only watched you guys like through Instagram and from afar and like growing like that, but I mean, such a beautiful relationship. So yeah, I'm so happy for you. Thank you. I'm so excited like to get married. What a fucking crazy time. <laughs> right? Exactly. What a fucking crazy time. <laughs> exactly. It really is. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. Um, all right, Summer, where can all of the people find you? Um, I'm at Summer Senna, S-U-M-M-E-R-S-E-N-N-A on Instagram. Um, and then I just have like a personal Facebook and like a personal Twitter that I don't really yeah, I feel like Instagram is really the only place I'm like active every day. I'm pretty much showing things every day. I'll put workouts and whatever, Evan and my dog and like this life. So yeah, you can always follow me along there. I'm going to be documenting everything what's coming off of hormonal birth control. 
Um, and as always, working out and eating and eating right and all that stuff. So follow me at Summer Soda. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm going to link all of this in the show notes. I'm also going to get those books from you and like, uh, I'll link them in the show notes for all the people too, because those sound super okay, valuable. Awesome. I'm definitely going to read. Um, uh, I'm going to start with the Jolene Brighton one. I saw that the other day. So I, I'll start with that one. But yeah, fuck yeah. Thank you so much for this conversation. This was so amazing. I'm looking at the clock. It's 11, 11 a.m. So this is pure, pure magic. Um, but <laughs> yes. Okay. Thank you so, so much. Thank you, Emily. This was awesome. I'm so happy to be here and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Fill Your Cup podcast. I am so grateful and so appreciative for all your love, for all your support. If you resonated with anything in this episode, if you feel all of the good vibes, if you feel feel like your cup is filled back up, please share, take a screenshot of the episode post it on your Instagram stories, tag me at moving and grooving. Let me know what you think. Leave a rating, leave a review. That is going to help get the show into as many ears as possible, as many ears that need this show. So I appreciate it. Have a great day. Keep spreading your love, keep spreading your light, and keep filling up that cup.